Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. to Horizon Church. Good morning, Princeton, and everyone else who's watching today or whenever the Lord Jesus bless you. We trust that the truth of God's Word and His Holy Spirit will set you free and minister to you in every way. Today is the day of Pentecost, if you didn't know. And so what we're going to do is we're going to speak today about Pentecost. And uh, so Pentecost literally means 50th. The 50th day after Jesus rose from the dead as the day of Pentecost. So it is the first fruits from heaven that the Spirit of God gave to his church. So we've just celebrated Easter, but what happened after the resurrection of Jesus? What events do we read about in the New Testament? And so what I'd like to do today is to take you from the resurrection of Jesus all the way through to the 40 days that he walked upon the earth before he ascended upon high and also gave us many things to think about. One thing he said is to to his disciples, I want you to remain here in Jerusalem because I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to you. And then Jesus ascended into heaven. And the Bible says in the same way he ascended will be the same way in which he will come again. And then the disciples went and they found a place and they found this upper room. There was 120 of them. And then the day of Pentecost came. So I've just given you a very, very brief overview. But you see, Jesus died on the biblical spring of Passover, as Pastor Daniel has already alluded to. He was then buried on the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then he rose from the grave on the Feast of First Fruits. And the final spring festival is known as Pentecost. So between the death of Jesus at Pentecost and the giving of the Holy Spirit, I should say, excuse me, between the death of Jesus at Passover and the giving of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, 50 days passed. And the first fruits of heaven then came down. So I just want you to hang in there now and soldier with me through a timeline. So three days after the death of Jesus was the resurrection. The resurrection, the resurrection 
in Matthew chapter 28, 1 to 4, Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible says. The Bible says that an earthquake hit, and then the angel of the Lord rolled away the stone door to the tomb, and he sat on it. The Bible also tells us that the Roman gods witnessed this event. And then we had the angel announcement. When Mary Magdalene and the other woman arrived at the tomb to anoint the body with spices, as was their custom, they were met by an angel. And the angel told them that Jesus had risen. The angel also instructed them to tell the disciples what they had seen, Matthew 28, verses 5 to 8. And then Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene. As Jesus sat, excuse me, as Mary sat weeping at the tomb, Jesus appeared to her. Afterwards, the Bible tells us in John 20, verses 11 to 18, she ran to tell the disciples what she had seen. And then we find that the great, we find the great commission. I beg your pardon, that's the wrong page. Uh, we find again the disciples where Peter and John heard this they raced to the tomb and you remember what the scriptures say upon arriving they found it just as a woman had said Jesus had risen John 20 verses 1 to 10 and then the gods that were there at the tomb reported when the gods told the chief priests what had happened, they were instructed to lie, the Bible says, telling others that the disciples had stolen the body of Jesus, Matthew 28, verses 11 to 15. So Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose from the dead for you and I. I remember when that became a reality in my life. I remember the day when I received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. My life changed immediately. I remember when I followed Jesus through the waters of baptism. I remember also when Jesus baptized me in his Holy Spirit. It was a life changing moment for me. Why? Because our God is alive. Our God is alive. Now, brothers, do we having problems with the scriptures coming up? I'll just leave it to you to sort it out. So let's have a look now at the 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus. Do you remember the count, the road to Emmaus? Two of Jesus' followers left Jerusalem to return home to Emmaus. And on the way, they met Jesus. However, they didn't really recognize him at first. But after they had had dinner, 
Jesus reveals himself to them and Jesus then left them and they returned to Jerusalem to tell the disciples what they had seen. Luke 24, verses 13 to 35. You'll also recall Jesus appeared to 10 disciples as the disciples gathered, except for Thomas in this instance, Jesus appeared to them and taught them. John chapter 20, verses 19 to 25. And then Jesus appeared to the 11 disciples. This time when Jesus appeared to the disciples, Thomas was there and Jesus and there Thomas felt the hands and the side of Jesus and he said Lord I believe John 20 26 to 30 and then as we progress Jesus appeared to the seven disciples the Bible says in John 21 1 to 19 while seven of the disciples were at the sea of Tiberias which is the sea of Galilee Jesus appeared to them. They had a meal and Peter was given special instructions. And then Jesus appeared to others, the Bible tells us. After appearing several times to the disciples, Jesus appeared, the Bible says, to a crowd of over 500, 1 Corinthians 15. Verses, uh, verses, uh, verse 6. And then we get to the Great Commission. Later, when Jesus appeared to the eleven, he instructed them to preach the gospel and disciple others. He also instructed them to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. And that's Mark 16, 14 to 18, and Acts 1, verses 1 to 8. The ascension, after Jesus gave his disciples final instructions, he ascended into heaven. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. So we have the 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus, and then we have the seven days after the ascension of Jesus. So Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again, he walked on the earth for 40 days. Many, many people saw Jesus and experienced his presence. And that's what I love about Jesus. He didn't just disappear, he reaffirmed who he was. And so the ascension after Jesus gave his disciples final instructions like the Great Commission, he ascended into heaven. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then there was the giving of the Holy Spirit. You see, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples and others that were there. 
there were 120 people in the upper room. And the power of God suddenly came down. The Holy Spirit came like a rushing mighty wind. And the Holy Spirit came like fire, pictured almost like tongues of fire. Because this was the dunamis, the power of God's Holy Spirit that he wanted to impart to his church so that we could go with the word of God, not just with instruction, but with power. So we could pray and people would be healed. That we could receive the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the gift of faith. That we could be effective in our witness. And so in the 50 days after Jesus' death, many things took place. Jesus connected with his disciples. Jesus connected with his followers, giving them encouragement and instruction. So today, I want us to try and personalize this Pentecost. You see, Pentecost comes from the word Pentecost. We get the name Pentecostals. And what does that really mean? I want to try and explain to you what that really means. You see, I am Pentecostal. Now, those of us who've been around a while, just let, don't let your minds run away with you. Just track with me. I am Pentecostal, right? Pentecost has sometimes been confused with style. Do you know, I remember when I was a young minister. And you know, this week has been quite a special week uh, for us, my wife and I. Uh, we are celebrating 43 years of ministry. On Thursday, the 2nd of June, I was born again for 50 years. <laughs> we celebrated 45 years of marriage. And okay, I'll throw this one in as well. On the 1st of June, we were in Canada 22 years. So we are very grateful for the move of God's Holy Spirit. We are very grateful for the hand of God over our lives. We're very grateful for the protection of God over our lives, wherever God sent us. And we're very grateful for what he is doing now. So, yes, I am Pentecostal. So Pentecost has sometimes been confused with style. I remember when I was a young minister, and I know many will remember this. I remember when I was a young minister, when style defined whether you were a teacher or a preacher. You see, if you spoke quietly, you were a teacher. But if you 
were a little bit animated, a little bit dramatic, somewhat loud and boisterous, you were tagged as a preacher. But you see, to me, being Pentecostal has got nothing to do with style. It is a way of interpreting scripture. Someone should say amen to that. It is a way of interpreting scripture. It is both a hermeneutic and a theology. And there are two scriptures I want to bring to your attention that are foundational in this regard that I'm speaking about now. The first one is Ephesians 5 verses 15 and 16. This is for all, all scriptures are from the New International Version. The Bible says, be very careful then how you live. Be alert, be open to be, for business. I like that. Be open for business. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every, uh, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Be alert, be open for business. You know, I've been taken off guard many times in my life. I remember a time when I heard tires screeching up my driveway. Doors closing, people saying, Pastor, Pastor. It was 20 after 7 in the morning. And I went out and they had this little baby in their arms and they thrust this little baby into my arms. They said, Pastor, the baby's dead. Please raise the baby from the dead. Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> and like a good pastor, I, I tried to remain calm. And here was this precious little lamb who had died in her sleep. And I remember praying my best prayer. And nothing happened. I wish I could say to you, suddenly the baby sneezed or coughed and came to life again. I was caught on my left foot. Wasn't prepared for that one. We sent the baby to emergency. The baby was in fact dead and we buried the little lamb in the precious name of Jesus. You see, be very careful then how you live. Be alert, be open for business. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In other words, my dear friends, Evil days provide great opportunities for the gospel. Don't miss them. Don't miss them. When the days are evil, there are many, many needs in people's lives. Don't miss it. It seems to me today's time would qualify as evil days. Okay, you can have your opinion. But I think we're living in very evil days. But we are the church of Jesus Christ. We have his Holy Spirit within us. 
We need to tell the truth. Listen, people are full of fear. Fear rages on in this world. We need to tell people the truth. And the truth is that Jesus can set them free. The truth is they can get saved. They can get born again. They can have a new life in Christ. They don't have to live the way they're living now. You just have to speak to them. The second verse is found in Colossians 1, 26 and 27. And it's startling. It's Paul, he says to the Colossians, Paul explains that God has had a secret which he has kept hidden for ages and generations. And now he is revealing it through a group of people called the saints. That's the church of God. Paul then states explicitly what the secret is. Do you know what the best kept secret is? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We have hope. So when people come to me, when people come to you, they are hopeless. They're in a hopeless situation. You have the answer. His name is Jesus. You need to be brave. You need to be bold. You need to speak. Give a personal testimony. Say, you know, I remember a time when I was, because we've all been in fearful situations, and tell them how Jesus delivered you. Tell them what a difference Jesus has made to your life. God's hope is needed in this world. You see, this is a direct statement of fact. If you have received Jesus Christ into your life, you are a born again, you are a, you are now a born again Bible believing Christian. This is a state of fact. Christ lives in you. And because of that, there's hope. There's hope. I know Jesus is coming again, but there's lots of work to do. There's hope. I know things aren't looking good and I'm not going to talk about all the bad things that are going on. You hear them every single day. You have been bombarded 24-7 about all the bad things, but I want you to know there's a good thing. The good thing is that Christ in you, the hope of glory, you have hope. Tell somebody about his hope, please. Thank you, I'm warming up now. I don't know why I was so nervous and stiff and starchy in the beginning. You got to pray for this guy. I, I feel like myself now. That's good. Now, 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 Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is stunning. Do you know why? Okay, I'll tell you. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you, brother. I'll tell you why this is stunning. Because it involves, it involves a radical relocation of God from out there to God in us. A radical relocation of God from out there to God in us. I want to show you three states, or I don't know how to put it, 
of radical relocation. And I'm talking about the way the triune Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, makes himself known and available in our three-dimensional world called Earth. And I see it having three particular stages. The first one is the God out there. The God out there. You know, most people, even some Christians relate, can relate or relate to a God out there. I remember even as a boy, I was nine years old. I was talking to a God out there. I wasn't a Christian. I was not raised in Christ at all. But I know it was the Spirit of God speaking. You see, the Holy Spirit is there before the missionary. The missionary is an instrument of God to now take that word and make it alive and well. Trust me, the Spirit of God was in those South Pacific Islands way before the missionaries got there. The Spirit of God just hovered over Africa where I'm from. Way before the missionaries got there and David Livingston got there. Oh, my goodness me. The Spirit of God was already preparing hearts. I really believe as a nine-year-old boy, I hadn't even heard about Jesus. I didn't think about God. One day I was talking about the God out there. I was saying, God out there, I know you're out there, but God out there, would you come over here? Honestly, sincerely. Now I'd say, okay, if, 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 if you don't come here, take me there. I didn't mean to die or anything. No, I was just, I wanted to, I wanted to have a relationship with God. Oh God out there, come over here or get me over there. We even sing, oh God, draw near. Oh Lord God, draw me near. I used to think God was lonely. Quite a crazy thought. As a boy, I used to think maybe no one talks to God and he's lonely. I know, I know, it's crazy. Don't say a word. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit crazy, I suppose. But now, now we get serious. That was true in my life. But now we get serious. It is true that in the Old Testament, God distanced God is distanced and out there. Yeah, that's what I said. I said, when you look into the Old Testament, God is distanced and out there. Do you know why? We put him there. Huh? What? The Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve. They sinned and sin came down upon earth for the very first time. And the picture of Adam and Eve fleeing the garden is a powerful drama depicting the results of our choice. Your choosing is more important than you ever think. You think I'll just make a little choice here and a little choice there? Uh-uh. Those choices have circumstances. Adam and Eve made a choice. Wow. What circumstances and as, 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 a, as a consequence of their choice, we live on a toxic dump of 
centuries of disastrous decisions. We just keep making them all the time which have removed us from God because now we've sinned and now we're removed from God and poisoned every part of our existence. But I've got good news. This is a good news message. And the good news is this. The good news is that God refused to let our choice end the story. Aren't you glad? Because God loves you. He loves you so much. You'll never know the side of heaven, how much God really loves you. You think you know, but you still don't know. So God refused to let our choice end the story. The Bible is the account of God progressively revealing himself to us again. The Bible is an account of God restoring us to a second chance to make the right choice. Aren't you glad that God gave you more than just one chance, Lindsay? I'm so glad, Tori, that God gave me, oh gosh, innumerable chances because I blow it. Oh, we'll get there, we'll get there. So as he began to step out from out there into our reality, guess what? He terrified us. This is Old Testament now. In the Old Testament, did you know they wouldn't even speak his name? They believed that they would die in his presence. And even when God gave them 10 simple and reasonable commands, the 10 commandments, and they, they couldn't keep them. With fear, they brought their sacrifices. They brought their sacrificial lambs. Is God going to receive this? The birds or whatever they had to atone for their sins and to seek favor and forgiveness. They returned home the exact same sinner they'd, ever, they'd been before. Nothing had changed and nothing could change. But his righteousness and his justice have quickened our appetite for a closer relationship and at the same time exposed our own unrighteousness and injustice. You know, the weirdest thing happens in my life. The closer I get to God, the closer I walk with God, I see myself more of a sinner. He exposes me in a loving way because he loves me so much. Yes, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Yes, I'm born again. Yes, I'm a new creature in Christ. But sometimes God gives me a glimpse of who I really am. No, I know I really am a new creature in Christ. I know that. But I also know that I'm a sinner saved by grace. I also know that salvation is an ongoing process. That's why we're not all perfect yet. We'll only be perfect when we get to glory. Okay. So it was the literal presence of No, I won't, I'll, I'll move on. So number one is 
that the God out there came in here. That's number two, God with us. God with us. You see, stage two begins with the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Everyone in the second story, in the room in Jerusalem, the 120 made up of children, even the children knew what the supernatural wind was announcing. It leaped from their history into their present. It was the literal presence of God of their fathers. And then the fire came. Again, their history leaped into the present. You see, fire had for centuries proclaimed the presence of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God whose name their fathers would not even pronounce and in whose presence they believed they would die. Then what they never could have imagined happened. As they were there on the day of Pentecost, worshiping the Lord, and that sound of a rushing mighty wind came, and all of a sudden the fire of God came. What seemed to happen was pieces of the fire, like tongues, the Bible says, fell upon every head. Pieces of fire broke off and came and rested on top of their heads. Where is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob now? It's beyond belief. He's in them. He's in you. Men, women, children, young and old, no one left. No one preferred over the other. What can this mean? And then Peter gets up and he preaches out of Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. And I have to skip that because time's running out. But during the last days of window and time, three things are true that have never been true before. On the day of Pentecost, first was the formation of a prophetic community made up of all kinds of ages and people. You, Horizon Church, are that prophetic community. You, my friend, are that prophetic community. If you believe in Jesus, you are part of that prophetic community. They were all able to do what only a select class of prophets could do before them. Namely, they could see, they could hear, they could speak now from God's perspective. Men, women, even little children are able to bring God's viewpoint to a human situation. You, yes, you, even you can hear from God. Even you can speak on God's behalf. Even you can bring people to Jesus. Even you can lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed. Why? Because God's given everything to you. And second are signs in the heavens of a world falling apart. So there's a prophetic community on the planet while it falls apart. Just like God to do that. He knew what was going on. So he put you on earth right now. You who are born again 
you who are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you who are called of God to go and do what He called you to do, to be the person He desires you to be. There's a prophetic community on the planet while it falls apart. And thirdly, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. It's in the prophecy of Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Is your world falling apart? Call upon the name of the Lord. You need help? Call upon the name of the Lord. When do people tend to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved? How about when their world is falling apart? Where do they call? They usually call, they usually in the every day of their disintegrating lives. How do they call? Well, often they pray. Sometimes they pray, sometimes they curse. Sometimes they pray and curse. Oh yeah, it's true. It's true. Calling on the name of the Lord to be saved is seldom religious because there's people of such need. They need to come to Jesus. Others who hear them may sympathize or ignore them, but you are not others who hear. You are part of the prophetic community. So when you hear somebody's story, if you hear somebody's need, you have the Spirit of Christ within you to reach out to them and assist them, to hear them and to assist them. You are part of this prophetic community. You are filled with the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of Christ. Through you, Jesus is present. You hear what He hears. You hear someone whose world is falling apart, calling out to be rescued and to be saved. You see what he sees. You bring everything he is to this moment. This encounter defines the church. This is when the word of knowledge, the gift of faith, the discerning of spirits, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are so necessary. And these gifts are released through us the same way they were released through him by asking the Jesus question. Do you know what that is? Is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything I can do for you? You find this person in need. They're full of fear. They've got so many problems. All you have to do is ask them, is there anything I can do for you? Can I help you or serve you in any way? There's nothing religious about that. It's just a simple offer. But get this, you are not just offering help. You are offering the supernatural presence and presence or gifts of Jesus Christ to that person because it's in you, working in and through you. So now I tell you, what does Pentecost really mean? Well, this encounter, a world falling apart, meeting people with needs, this encounter, this standing with one whose world is falling apart, 
hearing what Jesus hears and being fully equipped to respond is Pentecost. And this is what I mean about being a Pentecostal. A Pentecostal, as far as I can see in the Bible, is one who is filled with the Spirit of God so much that they don't, they, when they see needs, they help them, they meet them. They, they bring Jesus, they bring the presence of Jesus to that dying situation. They bring peace. They bring joy. They bring life in a world of death. They bring hope. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, the day of Pentecost was the day when God gave you everything that he had. When God, I know that, but when, when God gave that to me in my preparations, I just wept. I mean, I sobbed. There is absolutely nothing more than Jesus can give you. And then on the day of Pentecost, he gives you the power of the Spirit of God to help you not just make it through life, but to be a blessing of God to people. He gave you everything he had and he gave it to you. He gave it to you and to you and to you and all of those who know Jesus. And God asked me the simple question, okay, Mike, so what are you doing? You see, I'm human too. I can get side, not side swiped, side tracked. Sometimes we can think too much about what's going on in the world. I got news for you. We win. But we're, we're, we've got a job to do. We've got to share the love and the spirit of Christ with our neighbors. The day of Pentecost was the day when God gave you everything he had and he gave it to you. Can we pray, Father? I want to put a call to salvation out there. Dear friends, if you've not received Jesus Christ as your personal savior, would you just consider Jesus right now and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I ask you to forgive my many sins and come into my life and make me the person you always intended me to be. Lord, I believe and I receive you. My friend, if you've prayed that prayer, I want you to speak to somebody you know who's a follower of Jesus. Maybe your friend that brought you here or is with you there, that you can talk to them and just explain to them what their next step is. And then finally today, I want us to
because on the day of Pentecost, their hearts were open. They wanted to receive everything that God had for them. And the Bible says, as the rushing mighty wind came, and as the fire came, the very presence of God was there. They began to speak in other tongues. We say prayer language. We say uh, things like, uh, yeah, prayer language, our spiritual language. Those are, you've heard those things. And I can honestly tell you, since I had received my prayer language when I was a boy of 17, my life has never been the same. They're the same. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.